Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, one and all, to another rendition of the official Redbird Rants podcast. I am your host, Tito Rivera, and this is Season 2, Episode 5, and I am joined tonight by my co-editor, Dr. Michael Miles, our contributors, Larry Levin, and former contributor, Trevor Hooth. Crash had to sub out tonight. His uh, son got injured, so we hope everything's okay with him. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. How are you doing? Can't can't complain. I'm ready for Friday. Dr. Miles, what's going on? Hey, I'm doing really well other than battling through a cold, but you know that's what happens when you have six children and you work in a school. So Awesome. Trevor, welcome back. What's going on, dude? Uh, you know, just hoping I'm not gonna sound dumb if I haven't spent a bunch a bunch of time with Cardinals recently. <laughs> and we sure do appreciate Trevor joining us on such short notice. But guys, Let's go ahead and get into it. We've got plenty to talk about tonight, and let's start with some news around the MLB, and particularly I want to hit on two things. It's the Bleacher Report's power rankings. Um, If you guys haven't got a chance to take a look at it, go ahead and click on the article for the official Rants podcast. I give you guys the link for that. Guys, here are your top ten teams for MLB power rankings according to Bleacher Report. Astros at the number one spot, followed by the Dodgers and Yankees, Indians, Cubs, Nationals, Red Sox, Diamondbacks, Cardinals, and then top ten is rounded out by the Los Angeles Angels. And I'll just give a quick shout-out because this is important. Number 11 is actually the Milwaukee Brewers. So, Larry, what do you make of the top ten for the Bleacher Report power rankings? Are you surprised? No, I mean, I'm not, I don't think it's that far off from my own opinion about the Cardinals. Um, I, I, think, I think a lot of people in baseball are figuring on a regression for the Cardinals in some areas and, um, and not hitting their upside on others. And by that I mean, I think for the hitters, I think they're not believing that Tommy Pham is going to have the kind of year they had last year. I'm not sure they believe that Marcelo Zuna is going to have the kind of year he had last year. Um, and then I think they may believe that the starting rotation wall chock full of upside may not fulfill that upside to the extent that um, Cardinals fans may think it, it, it's going to. And then, of course, the question the Cardinals fans have been talking about for weeks, if not months on end, which is, who the heck is going to be the closer for the team. So, you know, for me, I'm probably with the Cardinals at seven or eight. I think they probably are interchangeable in terms of ranking with the Boston Red Sox. Um, But I don't think the Bleacher Report rankings are that far, far off from, um, uh, you know, from what I think. I think the Cardinals could squeeze into the playoffs as they stand. They could be just outside the playoffs as they stand. 
I personally think they're slightly ahead of the D-backs, but I could see where reasonable minds could disagree. What do you guys think? Well, well Dr. I Miles, what do, you, what do you think about uh, Larry's comments? Is he right, or are you surprised that the Cardinals actually rank ninth in the power rankings for Bleacher Report? Well, you know, and before hearing Larry talk, I, my reaction was I was very surprised when I saw them break into the top ten. I actually thought they would probably come in at, like, number 11, which is where the Brewers mm-hmm. are. I could have easily seen the Cardinals and the Brewers being number 10 and number 11 with the Cardinals a little behind the Brewers or Brewers staying at 11, Cardinals being 10. And I know that sort of splitting hairs to move them just maybe one inch lower, but I was kind of surprised. But now hearing Larry talk about it, I'm reminded that we have some, you know, the, 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 the lineup, look to be stronger this season, uh, if for nothing else, from addition by subtraction, you know, that we don't have the confusion of who's really going to play center. We don't have the confusion of will Randall Fritchick actually produce for us. Uh, sorry, Josh. We don't have that anymore. And, mm-hmm. and we don't, and we don't have, you know, Stephen Piscotty, who is a, is a heartstring player, but he had a rough 2017 and, and probably due to a lot of personal family issues that were going on with his mother's illness. Mm-hmm. But all of those things are, are gone. Uh, we have a, a more mature Colton Wong who seems to find a, a better way at the plate, although he may be finding his playing time somewhat diminished. Um, in fact, uh, several of our writers have been writing about that sort of thing, you know, who would take that place. We have Jed Jerko, who may or may not get a whole lot of playing time. We have Matt Carpenter, who took the entire spring training off, um, really continued <laughs> to play golf during that time. But when he did come back, he has, he's been doing really well at the plate. Uh, that probably helped dramatically by the fact that he is somewhat protected by Marcelo Zuna. And if Ozuna brings in what his promise is, albeit I think he's only hit two home runs, maybe three this spring, I may be off one. But the fear factor is there because I'll tell you what, of those two home runs, they were no doubters. And that fear factor did not exist last season. And then you add in the the pitching rotation – and I think even the Cardinals front office has to be surprised, you know, that, that Jack Flaherty came and he was so ready. And uh, even that the Lizard King is able to hold his own of sorts as well uh, is a surprise. Uh, so finding them at number nine was a surprise to me, but in, in hearing Larry talk, I, I'm not really surprised by that. Uh, I could see them actually sneak a little higher if everybody performs in the way they should. But I assume every team could say that. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think over there, Trevor? Do you think your Brewers could have said the same thing? You know, uh, repeat, uh, without repeating a lot of what you guys said, um, it's really interesting to me to look at where the NL Central and the top three teams that we all know are going to be competing for that top spot are. Um, sitting at, you know, the Cubs 5, Cardinals 9, and Brewers 11, because uh, the Brewers are going to be are going to be waiting on p- their pitching staff. They added a couple good bats to their lineup, but the Cardinals also did that, and the Cardinals pitching staff might get the edge in my book just because they're a, a little bit younger with some upside. So I'm not mm-hmm. surprised where they are. I kind of agree with it. Um, I think I honestly 
and this could be my, my bias as a writer for reviewing the brew, but uh, I think the Brewers should actually be coming in at 10th. Um, I don't agree with the Angels sitting right there at all, just to see seeing who's around them, just because uh, I think a lot of what puts the Angels there is betting on, on Shohei Otani to come through big time, because I'm not right. really much impressed right. with their lineup. So yeah. um, really, in my book, uh, three NL Central teams come in in the top 10, um, which is going to make for a fun year. Um, and I think that more than anything, these power rankings, power rankings are just showing us that uh, there's going to be a dogfight for the NL Central crown. Yeah, and, and I think for me the most surprising thing is, is is Arizona being ranked ahead of the Cardinals. I don't think Arizona's lineup is as thoroughly complete as the Cardinals, nor do I think their pitching staff is as complete. Um but there's no doubt that the Arizona Diamondbacks are for real. I mean, we saw it last year. They were able to put together a really nice season. They won the uh, you know the wild card game, um, and unfortunately lost to the Dodgers. But it's interesting to see this dynamic. And 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 I want to point out one more time uh, that l- those last three, the Cardinals, Angels, and Brewers. Uh, I agree with Trevor. I don't know. I'm not sure why the Angels are 10. I mean, I get that their lineup is is probably one of the better ones in the American League, but I'm not convinced on their pitching. I mean, Garrett Richards has been injured for the last couple of years. Um, you know, Shohei Otani, who is, you know, has not looked good in spring training at all. So there are some really big question marks in, in both the Angels and the Brewers pitching um, but they certainly wouldn't be better than the Cardinals. So, so I'm not surprised at these rankings. I probably have the Cardinals somewhere in the seven, eight, nine as well. If I really had to sit down and look at them, but everybody that's not the Diamondbacks above the Cardinals, I could see why they're ranked ahead of the Cardinals. There's no reason why uh, to suggest otherwise either. So let's go ahead and flip the script to the second piece well, of hey, MLB Tito. news. Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Hey, Tito, before you move on, I would like to make a comment about the, the Diamondbacks because I, I failed sure. to say this, but with you guys talking about it, uh, I, I really, really do agree with you in the confusion of them being in front of the Cardinals, and here's why. I don't know if any of you caught uh, earlier this week on MLB Network during primetime, they showed the Yankees facing off against the Diamondbacks in spring training. Um, and it it was not fun to watch, and it was not fun to watch because the farm system for the Diamondbacks is not as deep and is not as fleshed as is the farm right. system for the Cardinals. And they honestly, they are one injury away from being completely out of it. Because if they're out, I mean, I'll tell you what: once we hit like the third or fourth inning of that spring training game, it was names that. I couldn't have picked out of a Dostoevsky novel. Um, and much less that, their, their abilities were so limited, and they were not facing MLB pitching. And it was just a matter of, look, if somebody gets hurt on the Diamondbacks starting roster, I don't know that they have the protection in the farm system as the Cardinals do or as some of those higher-ranked uh, teams on the power rankings, and that's and that's very fair. Could you imagine a, an injury to, let's say, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, 
And the Diamondbacks probably, you know, they go from eight, probably drop all the way down to what, 15, 16 area. That could be, that's a really great point. Uh, Trevor, you, it sounded like you were going to say something uh, to that effect as well. Uh, no, no, I got nothing. Okay, no worries. All right, so <laughs> now let's move on to the second bit of what I saw earlier today, and this was actually tweeted out by the MLB Twitter handle, and it's the top 10 lineups projection-wise for 2018, and it's the Houston Astros number one, Yankees number two, Nationals three, Red Sox four, Indians, Cubs, Dodgers, and then eight is Minnesota, and then nine, your St. Louis Cardinals, and ten in a surprising, and I'm still kind of mystified at this, and I'm sure Trevor would be too, is the Oakland Athletics. Is Are the Cardinals still, you know, the ninth best lineup in the – in Major League Baseball, Trevor? I, I think they could be. Um, I think a lot of it is going to come down to, do you is, is Matt Carpenter having a better year? Um, is Colton Wong that mature hitter that we think we're seeing? Can Paul DeYoung uh, do what he did last year? Um, I've never been really that big a fan of Jed Jerko and what, he, uh, you know, what he's done the past few years. I don't think he'll be able to keep that up, but that being said, uh, Marcelo Zuna is a huge addition to that lineup, and, and you got to think that there's a lot of talent in there and a lot of proven talent. Um, I know I just went through a lot of it and said we'll see how they do, but there is a lot of proven talent in there, and that's, uh, that's something that will carry them to that higher ranking. And I, I, I believe that they, it's a very easy argument to make. Larry, do you think uh, Trevor has a point here? Do you agree yeah, with I mean, the Cardinals I... being nine? I, I mean, I like the Cardinals' balance. Um, I think the Brewers um, got uh, kind of got screwed out of that top ten. Um, I like their lineup quite a bit. I don't like their overall team as much as I like the Cardinals, but I do like the Brewers' lineup a lot. Uh, I would say on MLB Radio this this afternoon, one of the commentators had the Athletics as high as I think fourth or third or fourth. So that was very surprising. Um, I, I think the Cardinals do have a lot in their lineup. I think their, I think their outfield um, is really, really strong. Um, I, um, I do disagree with Trevor on Jed Jerko, um, 800 OPS or better the last two years, and 50 home runs. Um, um, but, but I don't think the Cardinals' infield overall is as strong as several of the other teams. I am a, I'm, I'm a bit of a naysayer on a couple of elements of the Cubs, um, not because I'm a homer. I don't know if Elmora can hit right-handed hitting uh, over a, the course of a full season. I, you know, Javi Baez, I still think, is a little bit of a, um, a crapshoot on where he's going to come out of the box. I do know that Kyle Schwarber's in way better shape, but we've seen him be way up and down. So, so I, I, I do worry a little bit about um, uh, about the Cubs lineup as it's been projected. So, I mean, for me, I like the Brewers lineup uh, as much as I like the Cardinals lineup, and I think the Cubs lineup is a little bit overrated. I don't know, Michael, what do you think? Well, there's a couple of things that stood out to me about both, and that is, you know, first off, you have to understand that I work almost exclusively throughout the day either with bad behaving students as the dean of students or 
strictly with the data of our school as the data specialist. And when I'm looking at statistics, and in this case, we're not actually looking at statistics, we're just looking at a list, but there mm-hmm. are some striking similarities here that I think sort of argue for triangulation, albeit we only have two points of data. But that being that the Houston Astros are both ranked number one on the MLB tweet that uh, Tito has shared and on the power rankings from Bleacher Report. Additionally, as we go down the list, we, we do see the Indians on both lists, albeit they're one step away from each other. But on the MLB list, we see both the Indians and the Cubs dropping one spot because of the mm-hmm. insertion of the Red Sox at a higher ranking in MLB than they are on the power rankings list. The Diamondbacks are altogether missing from the MLB list. Interestingly enough, in the top ten breaks in the Twins, and then we all know the Oakland Athletics uh, are probably in number ten because of the addition of Stephen Piscotti, uh, if, if for nothing else that he will make their hearts grow three times their normal size. Uh, that being said, what, what you have that sort of strikes me about the MLB list, oh, and by the way, the other thing that stands out is that the Cardinals are number nine on both lists. So if you're asking me as a, as a stats man, as a man who plays with numbers all day, I've got to tell you that I believe that the Houston Astros should be ranked number one because both lists agree, and that the Cardinals should be listed number nine because, again, both lists agree. Now, I'd also argue that I need probably two, at least one to two more points of data of lists to really believe that. Two other things stood out to me about both of these lists, and then I'll look more specifically at MLB. The Bleacher Report list was written on March 20th. The MLB list was released, and it actually says March 29, 2018. We're not at March 29, so I'm a little confused on how they are able to see ahead into the future. Maybe they're just telling us that between the 20th and the 29th that the – um, the Red Sox will find their way higher, the, the Cubs will find their way lower, the Cardinals will stay the same, the Astros will stay the same, and the Angels will be replaced by Stephen Piscotti's Oakland Athletics. So of all that to say, when I look at the MLB lineup viewing into the future, the thing that strikes me is how the rankings have closed between the Cubs and the Cardinals. Bleacher Report has us sitting at five for the Cubs and nine for the Cardinals, so four spaces apart. And the MLB list puts the Cubs in the sixth spot and the Cardinals in the ninth spot, only three spots apart. Again, I know we're splitting hairs, but I think that those are those argue some very interesting points. Can I ask Trevor yeah, what he and- thinks about the Brewers? Because I'm I'm just surprised they're not in the top ten. Trevor, do you have an opinion? As far as lineups, um, I think what's keeping them out is the fact that it's there's not a whole lot of established hitting in there. There's a lot of hitting talent because uh, you're mm-hmm. talking about Travis Shaw, who's their who was their best hitter last year. Who that was his breakout year, so you don't know what's coming this year. Right. Uh, you have you have Eric Thames, who who fell off hard in the second half last year. He did. But then you add in mm-hmm. Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain to that, so you have two established outfielders. Um, so it's just it's hard to rank them somewhere because you it's don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, and I think there's uh, – by the way, Dr. Miles, I looked at the article. It does say March 20th now, so no no future gazing for MLB. 
Um, <laughs> um, Dang it. Because I thought no, – I know, but I, I, I do want to continue this conversation about the, the, the lineup because in the article they actually give a projection for the St. Louis lineup, and it's something that I don't think any of us have actually really discussed in our chat group, and, and I just want to get your quick opinion. And here's what they have as the projected lineup. Fowler, Pham, Carpenter, Ozuna, Jerko in the fifth spot, Molina sixth, DeYoung seventh, and Colton Wong eighth. Dr. Miles, uh, you know, I'm a big advocate for either Molina hitting fifth or sixth with Paul DeYoung flip-flopping with him, but Jerko in the fifth spot, does that make sense to you? Yikes. Uh, oh, man. I, I wish I could believe that the difference between fifth, sixth, and seventh would make a whole lot of big difference using those three three guys in there. I, I got to tell you, I don't know that it's going to have that much of an impact on the outcome. Uh, and the reason I say that is because <clears throat> you have two unknowns, really, in Jerko and DeYoung. I mean, it, the, the unknown is not that they can. The unknown is whether they will, and that is whether they will repeat the great performances that we have seen. The less unknown is that of Yadier Molina and the fact that we know him as a perennial all-star. He's going to be a leader of the team, et cetera. Uh, but, and we sort of know what we're going to get out of him, an occasional pop that's surprising, uh, but sometimes he can really turn that on. So, with all those variables in play, I don't know that it really matters. Um, I just don't – and maybe I'm wrong, and I'm happy to be, but I don't know that I put a whole lot of stock in what order we put five, six, or seven. I think the, the biggest impact are the guys at the top of the lineup who are going to see more of the action. And I'll I'll save my comments for, for a little bit later, but I'm going to say this now. I think Trevor and I are going to be on the same page with this one. But, Larry – you see that you heard the lineup is is Jerko in the fifth spot, as Dr. Miles says, not that big of a deal? Um, yeah, I mean I think you guys know that I'm a I'm a huge Jerko fan and, and you know, not because I think that he's a you know, a, a super duper all star, but just because I think he's been, you know, very solid the last two years and and that his defense was exceptional last year. I'm looking at his OPS last year right now, and, you know, came out of the box exceptionally strong at 105.3, and then he went 818-860, an abysmal 610 in July, then back up to 743 and back up to 861. So so he really had, you know, and, and he's, he's a very up-and-down guy, but he had five out of six months that were pretty darn good, um, and I like his power. Um, and, you know, he really didn't strike out a great deal of the time. On the other hand, neither does Yachty, right? So Yachty, Yachty makes contact a tremendous amount of the time. Um, so I'm not sure it'll make a huge amount of difference. I, I do like the young a little further down only to take the pressure off. I think the young is the one who runs the biggest risk of them all in terms of his ability to make regular contact, uh, not to strike out, uh, you know, 150 to 200 times. So, so they have him a little further down. 
with his pop, and so he doesn't feel like, you know, the middle of the lineup is dependent on him coming through. I think it's probably a, a reasonably good place for him to be um, in the lineup. I don't know. Michael, what do you think? Well, as a rebuttal to that, just quickly, and then I, I know we need to turn it over to Trevor, uh, the the only thing I have to say to that is my point of it doesn't matter is I think you're going to see a very fluid five, six, seven throughout the season. Mm-hmm. All right, Trevor. I'm ready for your um, Jerko answer because I know you and I view him in the same light. So <laughs> it, is, is Jerko in the fifth pool the right spot for him or – or are I don't Larry and Dr. Miles wrong? I don't know if it's necessarily the right spot for him. Um, I think it's dependent on which Jed Jerko we see. Because I, I looked back at his stats because um, his 2017 I was not all that caught up on. But he was really a different hitter in my eyes from 2016 to 2017. Uh, my biggest issue from two years ago was that he had 97 hits and 30 home runs. And that's just an awful pace. And it's not. I mean, I know it's it's nice to see home runs and fun to see home runs, but that's just not helpful to a team if all you can do is, is hit home runs or really get out. Because that's, I mean, that ratio is is more than I, I'd like it to be. But you come back in 2017, and he's a he's getting a lot more hits, and and his he seems to be hitting a lot better. His average rose from 243 to 272. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know that he would necessarily kill the lineup there. I don't know if it's necessarily the right spots. It's uh, I I agree with that. It's just going to be a fluid five six seven more than anything. What's his career average, by the way? Uh, two forty five. Career batting average? Oh, yeah. two two forty five, and you want a two forty five career hitter in the fifth spot? No, uh, I'll pass uh, what on did it. Matt Carpenter bat last last year. What is his career average? <laughs> okay, that's what I thought, Larry. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying I, I'm not a big believer in a 245 career hitter in the fifth spot, especially especially when you have somebody like Marcel Marcelo Zuna hitting in front of you. He mm-hmm. Marcelo Zuna is only going to be as good as he was last year if he has some protection behind him. That is a good contact hitter because Ozuna is going to be your main power source. You need somebody behind him that is able to move him as well, protect him, because that's – and that's why I say either DeYoung or Molina need to hit back there. Uh, and I'm not opposed to DeYoung hitting fifth because of his power. It, it, it offers him the mo- – it offers Ozuna the most potential uh, – or protection, I should say. And, and Molina batting fifth is, is essentially saying, look, we're going to put the ball in play. And that's what that's you know you know the old saying is good things happen when balls put in play. So I just I'm not confident and I'm not sold on Jerko hitting hitting in the fifth spot based on the fact that he is just a career 245 hitter. When's the last time he hit over 300 or even close right. to that before last year? And and it just it makes it makes sense in the ter- in terms of yes he's got the power, but I'm telling you. It's it's not a sustainable lineup. As soon as he starts falling apart, and and you need some you need some protection behind Ozuna. It's it's the same thing with Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter, and we'll get into this here in a little bit. But Matt Carpenter is hitting better, not just because he's a different hitter, but because of who's behind him. So 
I think it works the same way with Ozuna, and, and it should be that way. But let's go ahead and take a quick break. We haven't had one yet. You're listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 5. Stick with us. And welcome back to the official Redbird Rants podcast, Episode 5, Season 2. We were just got done talking about some really cool stuff uh, regarding the power rankings from Bleacher Report and the MLB projection, projections for the lineups in the top 10. But let's go ahead and get into some more Cardinals uh, news and stuff that's going on with the team. And, and guys, I want to go ahead and get back to that lineup and, and talk about Mark, Matt Carpenter's return. Um, in my eyes, the offense has really started to pick up some steam. It's found its feet. Uh, Larry, what do you make of Matt Carpenter's return to the lineup, and do you believe the offense has found its footing? Uh, I think it's it, I think it's too few at bats to really tell. And hasn't Carpenter only had like about fifteen or eighteen at bats um, in, in in spring training? Um, so so for me, I don't see it as particularly statistically significant. Now, having said that, I think Mark, Matt Carpenter is a heck of a hitter, and I think whenever he's in the lineup and healthy, um, he's going to improve a team. So so I love having him there as a hitter as long as he's at first base. But I think it's a little, it's a little premature for me to say that because he's played a few games in – uh, and, and been in the batting order in the lineup that the team has caught fire. I think I think it's just I, I'm just not sure it's statistically significant. But do I want to see him in the lineup on a regular basis, playing first base and not other places on the field? I absolutely do. Right, and I, and I would argue that that stick, you know his batting total so far through spring is you know he's six for thirteen I think with two home runs. And yeah. a, a nice couple of RBIs. Uh, some would say that's significantly statistical, I guess, or s- significantly <laughs> uh, <laughs> important. Trevor, what do you make of Carpenter's return, and, and do you think that's uh, that's where this offense is headed? Well, you know what? To me, it's still spring training, um, and it's. I, I just looked at it. It's like seven for fourteen, I believe. He is hitting five hundred, which is. I think what the words you were looking for earlier were statistically significant. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what it, it does show is, is that uh, the lineup's going to be better with Matt Carpenter in it, regardless of anything else, whether you read into spring training a lot or not, whether you see right. it as enough at bats or not. Um, it shows what he means to the lineup. And, you know, his down year last year um, was – may not affect the team as much now that you have another bat like Marcelo Zuna, but it's just, to me, it's just clear that this lineup needs him in it to, to be at full capacity. Dr. Miles, what do you got? Uh, I was pleasantly, pleasantly, pleasantly surprised to see Matt Carpenter come back from his prolonged winter vacation uh, with such, such success. Uh, I was really concerned that, the times that he was not in the lineup and all the stories that we were hearing with his back and his shoulder and things of that nature, keeping him out of the lineup, that he would come back slowly. Now, I completely agree with what Trevor said 
that this is just spring training. And the reason I, I say that is because I fell victim last year when I fell in love with the Cardinals' uh, performance during spring. They just kept winning. They had the greatest winning record of spring training, only to come out and just putter to a dismal start. And I, I'm worried that we may see that again. I hope not, because there are different pieces in play. But if Matt Carpenter truly can hold down that spot and be the number three guy, knowing that he has the Ozuna behind him, knowing that he has Fam in front of him, and if Fam repeats, that's a dangerous, dangerous two, three, four. And then you add Fowler on top of that, that's a dangerous one, two, three, four. That's great. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, if he starts to falter, who do you put in that spot? And that's where I think the Cardinals need to be concerned, and that's where they need to really invest some attention because we know that Carpenter has a shoulder and a back difficulty. Um, I, I, I worry about that. But I am very, very pleasantly surprised to see how it's going right now. But, again, I agree with you, Trevor. It is just spring training. Yeah, and, and let's talk about – a little bit more about Matt Carpenter in the three-hole. Larry, you are a big advocate of Matt Carpenter being the leadoff hitter. Given what he's done so far in spring, and and I'll just preface it for everybody because uh, I guess it needs to be said, and I'm the only one that's not being a naysayer about it, but given what he's done in spring training, do you think he's shown enough to to merit some more time at the three-hole? No, I'm I'm actually with you there, Tito. I think I think I I actually like Dexter Fowler better in the one hole. Okay. So yeah, I'm 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 cool with that. Um, you know, I, I people have pointed out Carpenter's better stats. Bernie Nicholas wrote a column about it, um, as though it was a fait accompli that you you'd be an idiot if you didn't put Carpenter in the leadoff spot. But I I like Dex's. Um, Switch hitting, I like his speed in the one spot. I'm a little bit more of a traditionalist. I understand that's against the grain because baseball is drifting against that. But it's also because I think Carpenter, even though he's had this anomalous kind of, you know, stat line where he's done better in, in leadoff, you know, I do think his I, I do think his hitting lends itself to hitting further down in the lineup as well. And he's, you know, so so I have no problem with that at all. I I, I think him in the three hole is fine. My my personal preference is for Marcelo Zuna to get more at bat. So I would like to see him in the three hole, but I I am resigned to the fact that that is very unlikely to happen, um, and he's likely to bat down in the four hole. So all things considered. In terms of realism, if I have to choose between Dex 1 and Carpenter 3 or vice versa, do I think it will make a huge difference? I don't. Um, do I prefer it the way it is with Fowler 1 and Carpenter 3? I probably do at this point. Trevor, what about you? What do you think? Is, is Does Matt Carpenter's you know, numbers show he merits more time at the three-hole? Uh 
Are you? If you're talking just spring break numbers, it, it's hard to tell because if you look at the last two years, he's hit sub 200 uh, during spring training. But you do know what you're getting from Matt Carpenter as far as you know regular season numbers go and things like that. And and uh, just if you take what he can do out of it, which I know is not the question, but you look at who else is around him, then yes, he. I think he is the three hitter. I don't. I don't see Marcelo Zuna as your three hitter. Um, and I think that more so than, than what he can do in that three hole, because I think he'll, uh, he'll be able to hit there and do a very good job. I think it's what you can put around him uh, and where everybody else fits as well. And, and in that puzzle, I know this is a short answer without any numbers, but uh, my computer <laughs> just crashed a little bit. So, um, uh, so I, I do think he is a three hitter. Okay, Dr. Miles, you heard Larry and Trevor. They agree with me as well. What about you? Do you think Matt Carpenter, Matt Carpenter's spring has has pretty much solidified him more time at the three hole? Yeah, that a real I did that on purpose. I thought I'd try a different okay. approach from the other answers sure. I've given tonight. <laughs> sure. Hey, I, I, would, I completely understand. I would say yes, um, and I, I'm really reserving some more some more comments because I know what our next topic is, but yeah, I think you, you yeah. let him ride at, at the three spot until, um, until he can't or he's hurt or whatever. Right. And, and I think we'll just go ahead and jump into that next topic because it does affect um, maybe some situational hitting or some lineup adjustments. And, and that's the, the the raking the absolute raking of Mr. Jose Martinez and guys you know the the big question at this point we know he can hit we know he has some defensive liability but is he is his hitting worthy of a starting spot at this point Dr. Miles you you kind of uh briefed us up on the the next topic so I'm throwing it to you what do you think uh, I, I am 100% a homer about Jose Martinez, to use Larry's term. Um, the guy is, I swear, the nicest guy in, in MLB. You know, I've, I've said this too many times, but he did grant me a personal interview and, and was just so kind <laughs> in that. Um, that said, yes, his his performance has earned him a spot. Um, I, I don't know that he'll play every day. I don't think that he necessarily should, but – if Carpenter goes down, and I'm not saying you insert Martinez in the number three spot at all. Uh, maybe you try him there from time to time to see if that's going to work. But in terms of situational hitting, in terms of resting Carpenter late in games, uh, having them swap out makes a lot of sense. Uh, in addition, I think that when you add in a Jose Martinez to this lineup, then you really do have to look at those five, six, seven spots and see how those are going to be impacted. Who moves up to the number three spot? Is it somebody from down in the five, six, seven? Is that where you give Paul DeYoung some opportunity to get up there and you put Martinez in at the five or the six? Uh, and, and so that's where those things become very important. Uh, but in, in terms of my previous answer, the brief answer for Carpenter, you know, my answer was that, yes, he deserves to be in the three spot and deserves to play with the caveat of if he stops performing or can't play, 
what a really nice thing that the Carpenters have in the form of Jose Martinez, who can come in and fill in for him. Larry, what do you think? Is is Jose Martinez worthy of a starting spot, or is he, uh, you know, going to be on the bench as a as a utility? I think um, I think for the limited number of major league at bats that Jose Martinez has had, he has exhibited uh, extremely proficient hitting skill. There's no question about that. He's shown you know, the ability to hit with regularity, and he's shown the ability to hit for power. Unfortunately, in the major leagues, you know, your ability to garner playing time isn't always solely related to your own skills, but related to what the team has and the team needs. In the case of Jose Martinez, for him to play um, requires him to play either at first base or a corner outfield spot. If he does either of those, he is significantly, in my opinion, changing the outlook of the defensive uh, alignment of the Cardinals. Um, uh, At first base, he certainly can field the position competently, but, you know, that forces Matt Carpenter, if he's in the field, uh, if he's in the lineup, to, to play either second or third, um, and I find Carpenter to be a, a slightly below average second baseman and a more than below average third baseman. Um, his arm, to me, especially with the shoulder problems he has, uh, the issues are significant. Um, you know, in right, if he moves to the outfield, you know, he's taking the spot of. Uh, either another, either a starter, um, in the case of Ozuna or Fowler, or he's taking the spot of another backup outfielder. So, yeah, he's a wonderful offensive talent. He should be worked in to get, you know, if he can get, you know, 300 to 350 at bat. But would I substitute him for another one of the players in the lineup? Um, I most definitely would not. If there's an injury, that's a different story. But, you know, I would keep him on the bench, able to play, to start a couple times a week as a fill-in and as a regular pinch hitter um, in the later part of a game. Trevor, what do you think? Is Jose Martinez um, going to be more off the bench, or do you think he is worthy of a starting spot right now, or will he eventually become a starter? for the Cardinals this season? Uh, I, I think it's the last thing you said. I think, I mean, he, he can hit. We all know he can hit. I think he has earned um, a starting spot on most teams. I mean, he hit oh, uh, 272 uh, at-bats last year. And if you look at some of the, you know, where he finished and some of if you look at just in the Cardinals, uh, among people who had more than 300 plate appearances, he was – uh, among the top in several different statistical categories. And if you look at around the major leagues for people who had uh, fewer than 300 plate appearances, uh, he had the 10th most home runs, 6th most RBI. So we know he can produce uh, when he gets the chance. The issue right now is where do you put him? Like I said, you're either moving Carpenter where he's going to be a, de- a below average defender and you'd be taking uh, Jerko or Wong out of the lineup, or you're going to have to 
put him in the outfield, and that that's where Dexter Fowler, Tommy Pham, and, and Marcelo Zuna are. So I don't think there's a spot for him here, but if I, I think his best chance to find that starting spot is if there are struggles from either Colton Wong or, or Jed Jericho, and, and they have to move Carpenter over, whether that uh, and, and sacrifice a little bit of defense, and then he can step into that starting first base role. But for now, to start the season, he's he's got to be coming off the bench because there's simply no spot for him. Sure, and, and those hey. are great answer, guys. Yeah. Hey, I, I've got one more thing to say about Jose, and that is in relation to his, to his defense. Um, I've watched him play in Memphis, and I have to agree with everything that everyone said. He can play first base. Notice I didn't say he's an all-star first baseman, but he can play first base. And much to my chagrin, he looks out of place in the outfield. Albeit he can play it, but he just is not terribly comfortable out there, and you can you can feel that watching him play in person. Yeah, and, and I think I, I'm kind of with you guys on this one as well. I mean, I don't think Jose Martinez is going to be – in the starting lineup, you know, come opening day. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does get some late inning action. You know, it, it, it kind of like what Larry was saying. If he comes in in the seventh or eighth inning to give Matt Carpenter some rest, or I, I would guess he is the first guy off the bench to pinch hit, uh, regardless of the situation. Um, I think he he is Matheny's guy at this point, and we know how uh, Dr. Miles feels about Matheny and his guys. Um, but I, at this point, I, I really do think that Jose Martinez will be your number one pinch hitting option. Now, having said that and how his spring training has gone, I do want to throw this question out to you guys. Is Jose Martinez trade bait? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can answer that. I mean, I'll give you my sure. opinion. I mean, I go for it. He's a great. I think he's a great hitter. I think there are plenty of teams, especially in the AL, who would love to have that back, alternating between first base and DH. I honestly don't know. And you guys, Trevor, you follow it a little more closely, so you may have a better idea of which teams would have a left-handed hitter that they could alternate at first base in DH, um, you know, to compliment Jose Martinez. But I but I think he's probably, you know, in he's probably looks really good from a trade perspective right now. You know, you have a more kind of conventional, you know, backup first baseman in Luke Boyd, you know, who could make the roster in the absence of Martinez. If you could package Martinez with somebody, I think, yeah, you could probably deliver, you know, an asset. What that asset is, we could probably argue all night long, right? But, but yeah, I think his trade potential is pretty substantial. Trevor, am I on to something, or am I just crazy and, and getting rid of our probably our best bench piece? Um, I, I don't doubt that there, there's an argument there for him to be trade bait. Um, I don't know necessarily that they would they would jump at the chance to do so because you do like having a guy like Martinez off the bench uh, because you're getting a guy who as Dr. Miles said might not be the best outfielder you can get but can, he can back up a, a few different 
uh, positions to give some guys some rest if needed. Um, and you get a good bat off the bench in the late innings if you need. So it's he has appeal. He absolutely has appeal to other teams, and I'm sure that um, if teams called about him, they wouldn't, you know, the uh, front office wouldn't just hang up the phone. I don't think he will get traded, but I, I definitely think that they could dangle him out there as trade bait to see what they could get in return. And with that, we are going to take our last break of the night, and we are going to get into the big topic that has surrounded the St. Louis Cardinals, and that would be one Mr. Carson Kelly. So stick with us. You're listening to the official Redbird Brands podcast, season two, episode five. We'll be back in a second. And welcome back to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode five, season two. We just wrapped up finishing with the lineup, Matt Carpenter's return, Jose Martinez. And and before we got to the break, I kind of mentioned what we were going to be talking about next, and that is one Mr. Carson Kelly. Guys, this is just – it's an enigma at this point of what this team is going to do with Carson Kelly – so I'm just going to jump right into this and, and go right at you, Trevor. What is his future with the St. Louis Cardinals? I uh, I would like to believe it's a catcher, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard for him because Yadier Molina is not slowing down at all. Um, and you look at, at uh, uh, Yadier Molina at 35 years old and you start to think catchers age faster than normal human beings. So you think that he's going to fall off and his games are going to fall off, and that's when you're going to start to see Carson Kelly because he really – I mean, he's not proving – he doesn't need to prove that he can he can play at, at AAA. Uh, he hit 283 last year and and uh, had 10 home runs at the level, but he hasn't he has, – granted, he hasn't had a lot of time in the majors. He's, he's hitting 171 um, through his first 82 at-bats. But it's still – I'd like to see him up, and I get – the appeal to not having him back up Yadier Molina, but I also uh, I think if I were handling the situation, I'd want him to split time with Molina. I know it's hard to get him out of the lineup, but you have your future and you have a catcher who's gonna fade out eventually. I hate to say it, I love Yadier Molina. Um, it's it's hard not to love Yadier Molina, but he's gonna fade out, and it's it's got to be coming soon. And I think that you want Kelly to have have that enough experience to step right into the role and, and not have to have that big of an adjustment period. Um, I, there's an appeal to having him getting reps in AAA, but I, I think it's about time to have him up in the majors for an extended period of time. Yeah. And, and I don't think anybody is saying, or anybody actually believes that Yadi Yermolino won't slow down. It's, it's all obviously just a matter of when, um, but, you know, his spring training has been really good, too. Um, he hasn't really shown me any reason to say, uh-oh, here's the end uh, of the Molina era. So, Larry, you know, what is Carson Kelly's future to you? I mean, Trevor says it, it, he hopes that it's that catcher, but he doesn't know. Are, are you on the same boat? I, I'm, just, I'm just wondering – in the off season, who made Yadi Molina the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals? It's it's a, it's, a, it's it's a really odd it's a really odd construct to me. I mean, last year it seemed pretty clear that the team wanted Carson to be around Yadi to learn, to grow, to know what it's like to be on the major league club, 
you know, was it two years ago or three years ago, Carson Kelly had won, you know, the minor league gold glove, which is a very, very impressive and prestigious thing. Um, We know he's hit in the past. You know, the team wasn't really expecting him to hit much in a, in a, in a uh, backup role. And then all of a sudden they reverse course, whether it's because they had, you know, Pena as a backup or Barron as a potential backup or because Knizner had, had, had grown as a, as a possible prospect, but all of a sudden they're reversing course and they're saying you're going you're gonna to be back playing every day. I don't really understand what differentiates this year from last year. Now, in terms of the future with the Cardinals, I, I have a different view than most. I mean, my feeling is if the guy is going to spend uh, of the five more years that, he has, that he's under Cardinal control, if he's going to spend the next year either in the minor leagues or as an injury, um, you know, injury insurance for Yadi Molina, you know, I'm not sure that that's sufficient to keep the guy around as good as he may be. Um, you know, his value um, is not going to increase if he sits in the minor league for the next couple of years. So if I'm in a position where I really believe I have a sufficient backup, if I believe that I have another prospect on the rise, you know, do I really want to hold on to him or do I want to take advantage of, you know, if I can find an asset that's useful for the team, do I want to, you know, trade him when he still has five years of control available to another team in the major leagues? So, so as much as I, as I think of Carson Kelly and I think the world of him, and I think he's going, to, and he's still young, and I think he's going to be a very fine minor major league player. I don't necessarily think that him dwelling. Um, in the minor leagues for the potential of another two years is his highest and best use to the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay, Dr. Miles, it's your turn. Carson Kelly, the dilemma goes on. What's his future for the Cardinals for you? Well, I have a very unpopular opinion of late of Carson Kelly, and it really started uh, some – the year before last and more in 2017. Uh, But that is, I have tarnished to him being the heir to the throne. And I hope that other teams don't feel similarly, but of the things that I have seen, and certainly of the two spring trainings that we have witnessed uh, of, of his performances, man, it's, it's just frustrating very frustrating to see someone with with such promise behind the plate not be able to perform at the plate. And that worries me. And in in some of the time that he was in Memphis last season, what we saw was a great deal of sort of the same thing. It, It looked to be more, you know, white bread, um, than anything else because it was just sort of middle of the line and it wasn't what a leading prospect should have been performing. And so I, I'm kind of tarnishing on him. And I hope that, like I said, the other MLB teams are not because I hope there's still some value that the Cardinals can, can get out of him via trade. And I think that's what they have to look at doing now 
because at least for this season and next season, I think Yachty will be okay. And I think that the backups that we have in Francisco Pena and um, Ken, Ken, Kisner uh, will be just fine. Uh, and those could probably carry you through two seasons. Um, so I think you've got to get value where you can where you can find it. And Kelly should be able to bring some value, and maybe he will do a, a much better job in somebody else's system. That's how I feel. I know it's an unpopular opinion, um, and I'm I'm again I'm happy to be wrong with that too. So here here's an interesting scenario though, or or thought from that I kind of brought up the other day. And, and, you know, I had some interaction on Twitter uh, with a couple people about this particular topic. And, you know, those who call for him to be traded or uh, what I found interesting is that they, they send him down. But why not trade Kelly during the off season? you know, months ago? If, if they were seriously, con- you know, considering trading him. At this point, Trevor, what do you think? Because uh, I really don't think they're considering trading him. I think they want their heir to the Molina throne. I think they see him as the heir to the uh, the Molina throne. And even though it's a tough act to follow, if you have somebody as highly touted as that at the catcher position, it's hard to just let him go. And it's hard to want to just trade him. And um, they would need something great in return. I'm sure they would have traded him, uh, you know, for possibly a, a Chris Archer in return, but none of those moves really uh, were going to happen. I don't think that Carson Kelly is somebody that they're going to be letting go really easily, and I don't know if the price that they would want on him is uh, one that other teams would want to pay. Larry, what do you think? Um, if they were seriously con- tra- considering trading him, why not earlier in the off season instead of now? With literally well, we, a week we really don't we really don't know what they're thinking um and again this 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 move to take him down to triple a feels somewhat schizophrenic to me um you know really the fact that he hit you know lightly in relatively small number of at bats last year means nothing to me the 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 question is whether they feel like his defensive progress, um, you know, uh, a slowdown. And, again, even that seems to be, uh, you know, a very um, non-analytical assessment given the number of innings that he was able to play. You know, my presumption, and I think a lot of fans' presumption was, you know, he played a few innings last year. This year he'd maybe play, you know, once to one and a half times a week. He would continue to progress. Maybe next year he would play two out of seven games, you know, and, and, and we'd be, you know, we'd be getting close to even by the time Yachty's ready to call it quits. And there's something that caused that to change in the organization. If there's something that caused that to change, I, I agree with what was said before. It's like, what does AAA have to do with it? The guy has shown that he's able to play at that level. So so I'm confounded. I don't know if they are trying to punish him. I don't know if they they just think the only way we want him is if 
Yachty gets hurt, which to me is a very inefficient use of a valuable asset. Um, so I honestly, Tito, I'm just confounded. I don't know if they know what they're doing. I don't think they decided that they were going to trade him a long time ago, but I don't think they know what, what they want at this point. All right, Dr. Miles, you know, do I have a point? You know, if they were considering trading him, you know, shouldn't they have done it earlier in the off season? Uh, yeah, uh, but I, <laughs> I think the e- the easy answer to that is they did not have plans to trade him. I don't know that the story is the same today. Yeah, and, and I don't think, and I think the story has changed as well. And I, I go back to the comments that John Mozeliak and and Mike Matheny has said, he needs to get every day at bats. And that might be true, but if he's as polished and as highly rated, uh, at some point you have to wonder, you know, how much more time does he need? But that's the thing. He's going to be blocked no matter what by Yadier Molina. Yadier Molina is entering the first year of his three-year extension, so there's no way he's the starter this year. I guarantee you he's not the starter you know, in, in year two of the extension. And, and by virtue, year three, maybe, maybe he's even the starter, uh, or Carson Kelly might crack the starting job in year three of the extension, but you would have to believe that Yadier Molina wouldn't give that up that, so easily. I mean, and I know, uh, I think it was it was Larry, you know, saying, well, when did Yadier Molina become the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals? Uh, this is a franchise player, an icon, you know, and we would say the same thing about Albert Pujols uh, if he was still here in St. Louis and he was, uh, you know, getting ready to retire and we had a, you know, a young stud. He wouldn't give up his first base position so willy-nilly either. So I, I just think it's it, this extension has hampered Kelly's involvement but this is the thing. They knew going into this year that he is, his playing time wasn't going to be there. So it, it confounds me, it confuses me as to why the organization does not have a plan for him, whether that is to be in the minor leagues or be at the major league level or trade him at this point because it, it just makes no sense to me. Confounding is exactly anyway. the right word. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, it is. I mean, there there is no other reasoning behind sending him to minor league camp, essentially, because he just needs at-bats. Well, that's great, but where were those at-bats last year? You brought him up. <laughs> What's the point? I, I just don't get it. Trevor, am I, am I losing my mind, or, or is, is that making sense? I mean – Here's the question I pose. Do you need a plan? Because right now you have, what, the top-catching prospect in baseball. You want to hold on to him. You also have Yadier Molina as your starter, and you have a three-year extension. I know uh, you want to groom him. You want to get him at bats, which is what they said last year, and last year I agreed. But it's just, I mean, with the three-year extension, with the fact you have Yadier Molina, do you need a plan other than let's have him play every day as injury insurance? And I guess maybe maybe not, and that's the only thing that I can think of is that he's going to he goes down to AAA to stay fresh. 
And that's exactly what, you know, they're saying by saying, you know, he needs every day at bats. So, and so maybe it's not necessarily they need a plan, but they can't be confounded by themselves by not suspecting or not having an idea of what to do with somebody like Kelly, knowing that they signed Molina to a three-year extension and knowing they have somebody like uh, – uh, Nisner down, down in double A, probably going to triple A to back up Kelly this year. So I, I just think uh, either way, they have to have some kind of idea and, and saying that, oh, well, we don't know or we weren't sure what we're not sure what's going to happen with him isn't an excuse or it, it, it's not an excuse to me. Larry, what do you think? I, I agree. I, I don't know what changed from last year. I mean, I think the I think the the contract extension is a total red herring. I mean, what does the contract extension have to do? The Yachty contract extension have to do with anything? It's like last year. The you know, if you if you want to say that because we have a suitable backup in Pena, that that's a reason to put Kelly back in AAA. I understand that argument. I may not agree with it, but I under but I understand it. But otherwise, I don't think the contract extension is relevant. Yachty was the starter last year. He's the starter this year. Kelly was progressing last year. You would expect him to progress this year. Um, There weren't enough at-bats or enough time in the field to assess Kelly's performance at the major league level last year. So why not do it again this year? It, It doesn't make any sense to me to change course this year over what they did last year. Right. And that's where I guess I'm I'm just, I just don't, necessarily get it because it's just it doesn't make sense that they would revert back to getting him more time uh, just because they can so uh, Dr. Miles uh, quickly give us your you know your final thoughts on on what we've been talking about on on Carson Kelly and we've just got one more topic to get to tonight Dr. Miles okay I am here Uh, okay (laughs) couldn't get couldn't get the phone to unmute. But would you ask that question again? Yeah, I, I just want to get your final thoughts on you know what we were talking about just now is is why the course change with Kelly, knowing that you have that extension in place and knowing who you have below Kelly in your organization uh, uh, in terms of depth chart. What is what I mean? What is the what is the answer here? You know, I, it is. It is. <laughs> you guys said confounding, and I have to agree. There's just no better term for it because there's no answer. There's just not. Um, I hope that within two two weeks of the season starting, that it's less confounding, and that we have a stronger sense of what Kelly can do as he goes down to the minors and shows that he absolutely can perform there and is ready to uh, come back up and, and be great. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. And, and let's be honest too, within two weeks we could be saying, Oh my gosh, we, we need somebody to play every day, not in a backup role because Yachty got hurt. I mean, there's so many things that we just don't know right now. Yeah. So and, and I, think I don't, that's I the don't hardest know. Part. It, it, and that's the hardest part. And, and just to, to put it in reference, you know, assuming 
Yadier Molina is the starter for the next three years, you know, that puts Carson Kelly at age, you know, 26, not necessarily old, but not necessarily young anymore. And who knows where his skill level is at that point. And I, and I think that speaks to what Larry is, is saying is, is does, where does his value go from here on out? I mean, he's not going to get any younger. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And, and one thing that I asked on Twitter, which I think has, you know, big impl- implications is, is how long he's in AAA. You know, is it, you know, just the first two months of the season or is it, you know, halfway through the season? Who knows? But it's obviously some, something to keep an eye on and moving forward. So, guys, we've got about five minutes left. Let's do some quick lightning round buy or sell uh, questions for you guys. And uh, let's start with you, Dr. Miles. And you don't have to explain anything, just one-word one answers or two-word answers. Who's the, who's the best pitcher for the Cardinals in 2018? Jack Flaherty. Larry? Luke Weaver. Trevor? Uh, Carlos Martinez. You popped out. It almost feels like it. we're. It's almost feels like we're getting cheated, though. That Trevor didn't say Dakota Hudson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, is there it is, is he going to be on the roster though? That's the question with it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, best hitter this year, Trevor. Oh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ozuna, Marcelo Ozuna. I'm gonna cop out again. Okay, Larry. I'll go Tommy Pham. And Dr. Miles. Uh, I have to agree with Trevor. I'm going to Zuna. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's a tough one. Opening day, you've got a safe chance. Who gets the ball? Dr. Miles? Uh, on opening day, only because it's Matheny managing, and even with Maddox calling the shots, uh, the save situation goes to Gregerson. Okay. Larry? I say because um, Matheny is utterly unpredictable. I'll say Tyler Lyons. Okay. And finally, Trevor? Um, I I got to stick with Gregerson, too. Man, you guys are so disappointing. Nobody wants <clears throat> to go with Leon? Whatever. I, okay. I wish. I wish we could. I just don't see Matheny being creative enough to do that. I bet he does it. I'm I'm put put me down as a believer in Dominic Leone only because I have him in fantasy baseball. Um Okay, couple more guys. If the Cardinals are a sinking ship, who's the first person to get traded? Trevor. Uh I'm I'm gonna go Carson Kelly on that one. Okay. Larry? Ooh, that is a toughy, toughy, toughy. Um, Only for I you. Will, I will. <laughs> um, I'm going to go uh, with, um, ooh, golly, give me one second. I'm going to say Jose Martinez. Okay. Dr. Miles? Uh if they're tanking, do they have to be tanking? Um, if they're not going to make the playoffs, you know it's out of reach. 
man, that's tough. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and be a little crazy and say Matt Carpenter. Mm, okay. I like that. Last two, guys. Last two. Let's flip it now. Cardinals need a player. Who's the person that they go get, Dr. Miles? Yikes. Um, they go get a closer. I don't care who it is. <laughs> you might care if it was re- they were really bad. <laughs> uh, Larry, what do you think? Who did? Who do they? I, I can't. I can't argue with that. I mean, you know, they should have one already. They haven't done it. So if they're still in it, I think that's the obvious answer. Okay, Trevor, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to put a name to the vagueness because I also agree closer. Uh, I'm going to go Alex Colomay from Tampa. Boy, wouldn't that be something. Okay, last one, guys. Final spot comes down to Harrison Bader and Yaro Munez. Who gets that final spot, Trevor? Uh, I got to go with Yaro on that one. Okay, Larry? I mean, I think it's gonna be Munoz. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a mistake. I love Munoz, but I, I just think the logic is really, really faulty there. Okay, and last but not least, Dr. Miles, what do you think, Bader or Munoz? I, I want to say uh, Munoz, but I think the answer. Uh, to, to go contrary to what Larry said, I think that they'll go with Bader. Only because uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Let's say Bader. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of the official Redbird Grants podcast. I want to thank Larry, Trevor, and Dr. Miles for joining me tonight. Make sure you guys who are listening catch us on RedbirdGrants.com. We've got great articles going up. We are just one week away from the season opener in New York. So stick with us. We are going to be switching to two a week starting very soon. So stick with us with this, uh, this journey as we go into season two. For the guys, I'm Tito. We'll see you next time and go cards. Go cards.